0: So been been so great to be with you guys, and uh, I've been honored to be here with y'all. Um, I'm going to tell you about this slide. You know, I've been showing it to you the whole three days or whatever. Uh, and I normally have my high school baton with me, but it's back in my uh, already packed bag. Um, but just uh, just just imagine a high school baton here, okay? I I was really from a family of um, of of track stars and pole vaulters. Um, I, I, I think I may have mentioned that I, I was an in intramural ping pong. That was kind of my, my specialty. And, um, and so uh, I would go to these high school track meets. And I would notice how important the relays were. Has anybody ever been on a relay team in junior high, high school, whatever? Were they, were they like, what relay team was it? It was the four by four. And what does that mean? You run one lap, one 400? And, and and okay, well, we call that that is that the final event of the oh oh, oh, oh oh I mean, you talk about the ultimate event, everybody's looking forward to this final event you know, for these high school track meets, and we would call it the mile relay well, y'all y'all don't don't call it that anymore, do you okay, I know i'm I was living way back, way back after the you know the big flood <laughs> um <laughs> but um But anyway, I I just, I've noticed how important the handoff is. Did y'all work on that some, you know, the little zone, didn't you have a little zone and, and, and each like, which leg were you? I'll test to see if you really were part of the relay team. You have you, I'll use some terminology. What, what leg were you? Oh, second leg. Okay. Very impressive. Okay. So you're got the baton and you're running in and that third baton, that that gal has a little zone that she's supposed to be, you know, kind of getting started. Is that right? And she then sticks out her hand like this, and you place it in her hand. And what well, do you say something when you place it in her hand, or stick? Yeah, that's what, a stick. Okay, were you a relay person as well, or no? Okay, very okay. Boy, we got a bunch of athletes in here, Paul. It's very <laughs> impressive. So if I'm number, if I'm leg number three, I'm running. You know my little zone here, right? Is this how you do it? And then you you know you 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 do this, and then you put it there and. And so the handoff One of my prayers for coming out here Is to give you a good handoff We don't get good handoffs in so many places in our in our growing up years in our families sometimes in our churches uh, Even in ministries like this uh, You know it, it was some areas we get good handoffs and some areas. We don't get good handoffs But my prayer is that you would take the baton many of you already have I can tell And then you'd run with it. And run with it the rest of your life. And not just run with it, but spend your life handing it off to others, handing it off to others so they can run their race. You know that Hebrews 12 verse where it says, Set your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know? But it talks in that passage about all these saints. That it's like they're in a stadium, right? That have gone before us and they're watching us. And it says, find your race, you know, find your race and, 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 and do away with all the entanglements that will keep you from running your race. And so get down out of the stands. If you've kind of been a spectator Christian, now's the time to get out of the stands, down on the track, find your race, fixing your eyes on Jesus. You've got the baton. And honor him With your life with my life, and so that's the the idea behind the My baton and so this woman wrote a book for college students called the powerful percent And I still today think that college students are the most recruitable trainable sendable category of persons on planet earth That's you the powerful percent the most powerful percent of humanity on the planet I think the college students will be the leaders of every facet of society And so at first glance, it might seem like all the pioneering has been done, but the marathon is still on the baton has been passed to us. And so this vision that Paul was sharing that we were just praying about about planting solid great commission ministries on campuses across this state. That's that's worth. That's worth praying about friends. That's worth uh, giving to sacrificially. That's worth. Participating as a as a campus worker yourself in some way. Well, uh, let me see if I am I plugged in and I am I advancing up there? Oh There it is. Uh I had promised There it is I had promised That I would give you a chance to pray this prayer You don't need me or need this slide to pray this prayer You can do it on your own because it's a decision that you make between you and the Lord but my understanding is that one person has already committed their life to Christ during this week. And my prayer is that, uh, that there'd be several others. And I think that, uh, there may be some here who haven't yet made this decision. If you remember, uh, we talked about putting Christ on the throne of your heart, making him not only your savior, but the Lord of every area of your life. And there's no mad. This is not a magical prayer. It's just a simple similar prayer that I prayed Uh, When I was 18 years old, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Eternal life begins not when you die, friends. It begins when you take Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's when eternal life begins, okay? Death, that's just a... A simple temporary transition from this life to the next eternal life begins at the moment you commit your life to Christ Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be Just bow with me for a moment if you would and if this is a prayer that that Maybe you've never really prayed maybe you've never really fully committed your life your heart your everything to Jesus Christ Maybe you thought you were a Christian Maybe you've been trying to be good enough to get to God and realize you can't do that Only receiving what Jesus has done for us Gets us To God So if you'd like to pray this prayer just in your own heart your own mind, I'll pray it out loud And you make that decision or Jesus I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life, and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Forever with you. Take control of the throne of my life. Change me. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and I'd like to challenge you to before you you leave Lake Hume here me Hume Lake <laughs> To share that with whoever your spiritual leader is whoever the student leader or staff person or who recruited you to share with you I, I, I pray that prayer and let them start to help you develop this relationship with Christ. Will you do that? You can get started. Thank you for letting me lead you in that prayer You know um, Paul was asking me to maybe tell a story here before I get into our little twelve great uh, great commission decisions talk, but um, it was um, it was about a student named John, and John was a big partier. I mean, he was a big partier. You know, we uh, in Arkansas we call them hellions. Y'all mind if I use that word? Is, Is this being taped? Oops. Okay. Yeah, he was a party boy, and he he was sick of Christians. He was at this school in Northern Iowa. It wasn't a big school, but boy, he, he with John there. It was a party school and He was sick of these Christians, but he wanted to move to a school where the party life really really was uh, was was famous and so he went to Cornell it was at Cornell and uh, He was trying to escape all the Christians were bugging him all the time, you know, but uh, he got to Cornell and and uh, sure enough as he arrived there were people there to meet him and they were from a local Christian ministry Hello to help him unload his stuff. Oh Man, he's sick of it. Can't get away from these guys wherever I go So anyway, he he enrolled in college there and so uh, he, These these guys kept bugging him about coming to this meeting coming to this Christian meeting and so finally one night He did he didn't want to didn't want to arrive early, you know as if he was anxious to be there But he told the guys he would come and so he slipped in the back after the meeting had already started. And it was a packed out audience. I mean, all these people were there, and he, he, he's slipping in the back. And the, uh, the speaker that night was a kind of a, a big sports hero. He was from Britain. And uh, he happened to be at that moment in his talk. He says, are you seeking things for yourself? Do not seek things for yourself. Seek them for the kingdom of God, you know? Well, as he walked in, it looked like the speaker may have even been pointing at him and talking, and he thought he's talking to me and it just kind of jolted him and he quickly found a seat at the back and was hiding in the back, you know, but he went home that night and he couldn't, went back to the dorm. He couldn't get that off his mind. Was he talking to me? You know, you talking to me, (laughs) was that God talking to me and he couldn't sleep. And the next morning he decided he's going to set up an appointment with that man and he did. They met for an hour Well, John committed his life to Christ John went to a summer project that summer in Massachusetts He signed a document with 99 other men saying he would spend his life as a missionary Well, John did not fulfill that commitment as a missionary. He instead decided he was going to become a mobilizer, a mission mobilizer to see how many missionaries he could raise up. And he raised up so many around the U.S., around the world, that in nineteen forty-six he was offered the Nobel Peace Prize as one of the greatest missionary statesmen in the world. And in before he died in nineteen fifty-five as a ninety-year-old man A biographer was there with him writing his life story of John R. Mott and as he was thinking back on his life and he was describing how he came to Christ and this meeting that he had with this British sports hero named J E K stud. Brother of C T Stud. That's right. As he's thinking about that one hour meeting he had the next morning, he turns to his biographer and he says, It was the decisive hour of my life. Whoa. Think about your life have you had that decisive hour yet? (laughs) Could you look back on your life now and say there's a I, I can remember a point in my life It was a conversation with someone. It was a prayer that I was praying. It was a scripture I was studying where God just intervened in my life and everything changed. I mean everything changed Maybe today, maybe right now, maybe this hour is your hour. I don't know. But do not underestimate also all these conversations that you're going to have with college students when you get back to Chico this year, next year, the rest of your life. It may just be one more conversation for you. But you'll never know when that person looks back on their life as they spent that hour with you or that time with you that they would look back and say, It was the decisive hour of my life Let's get started on this John was not a missionary We need missionaries friends. We need campus workers but I'd like to also take a moment to throw another roll out for you if I might Okay, what is the most strategic role that Americans can play in 2019 to reach the whole world for Christ? Not just Chico, not just California, not just us, but what if we want to impact the whole world? I think we, we need to consider this role of being a mobilizer. Okay. There are a lot of countries in the world. They don't let Americans in. Sorry, we don't want you in. They certainly don't let missionaries in. So what role can we play? Well, I, um, I'd like to suggest an idea here, at least for you to kind of know about It's this idea of mobilization You know, we talked about evangelism. We talked about disciple making What about the M to me? It connects all the dots It connects all the dots pointing those that already know and follow Jesus to those who have no access to him That's one definition of mobilization Okay Well There's a need for mission mobilization. There is a final frontier in missions, but also in mobilization. And so in mobilization, we're trying to turn traditional mission fields into radical new mission forces. Friends, there are 57 countries around the world. We've been researching them for years that have over a million evangelicals in them. Some of them really are Christianized nations, but we're still sending missionaries to them. We're actually hurting more than helping you realize that we're reinforcing in some of these countries that we're still sending money and missionaries to, that. They are still a mission field. They're still dependent upon the big, big brother in in America that we're somehow, you know, gonna do it all for them. When in reality they have a desperate need to transform their thinking and their perspective into becoming a radical new mission force. See, this is a role that we can play. We can serve country by country by country and help them. We can help ignite mission movements and go to these countries and educate and empower the unsent. You see, we know where the unreached is. We've been studying unreached people groups now for 40, 50, 60 years. We know where every single one of them is. What we don't know and what we haven't been focused on, and I think is one of the strategic keys to completing the great commission is where are the unsent people groups? These huge pockets of believers that are like sleeping giants that need to be woken up and pipelines from their country into the unreached areas created. That's how we're going to, I believe, finish world evangelization. friends. We've had the great commission for 2000 years, Americans with all of our ingenuity and all of our technology. We have been sending out foreign mission teams since 1812 we still have two and a half billion people cut off from the gospel. How do you explain that? Has God done amazing things? Yes, praise the Lord. But if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, decade after decade, century after century, and expecting different results, what do you call that? Insanity. Maybe it's time to think outside the box. Maybe... It's time for us to serve the body of Christ in the rest of the world that we don't have to be in charge. We're going to come to these Christianized countries and we're going to come in as humble servants. They must increase and we must decrease that those hundred thousand additional cross-cultural missionaries that we need to go into the unreached areas of the world. They're not going to come from America friends. Sorry. We've been on a decline for years for our long-term workers. Oh, short term. Oh, we, we love short term. Oh, that's going straight up. We take our pictures and we come back and post them and we're excited about next year's adventure. Where do you want to go next year? You know, well, let's not fool ourselves to thinking that short term workers are going to complete this task in North Africa, and the Middle East and in, in the whole Hindu world in India and Western half of China, et cetera. So I just want you to think about mobilization if you would. Um, the three places where the Christianity has shifted to, it's shifted away from the United States and from the West here and and, and Asia, Africa and Latin America is where the, it's just exploding 10 times what it is here. 77,000 people a day are coming to Christ around the world. Isn't that great? But friends, only seven are in the global North. One-tenth of the number where we are we got all the money. We got all the preachers. We got all the seminaries. We got all the you know resources and you know But we only have We don't have a little trickle coming to Christ But you go to the global south and you go to Asia Africa and Latin America is exploding ten times the number what is God up to? What role can we play? Maybe we can go there and serve and be a catalyst and a mobilizer in these three major areas of the world this idea of a frontier mobilizer when someone actually goes into another country did I mention this already I think I did uh, it crosses a culture uh, and you're a mobilizer well we call them a globalizer right you're uh, you you were not too impressed with that I could tell okay <laughs> but uh, listen to some of our staff explain what we're talking about.
1: God is raising up a new generation of laborers to bring his gospel to the unreached. I serve in China, but I'm not a missionary. I live here because the Chinese are surrounded by unreached peoples. I have the privilege of discipling Chinese believers to take the gospel to the unreached. The global church is poised to reach the unreached. I serve in Kenya, but I'm not a missionary. I serve here because my Kenyan brothers and sisters live so close to unreached peoples. Our team disciples Africans to engage their neighboring countries with the gospel. It's going to take all of God's people
0: working together to reach all of God's world. I've been serving in Peru for the past two
1: years, but I'm not a missionary. Our team is here to help Latinos realize their incredible potential to share the gospel across the world with unreached people groups. 80% of the evangelical church lives in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. But right now, they send only 20% of the world's missionaries. I am a frontier mobilizer, and by God's grace, we're helping mobilize the global church to reach the unreached. If I went as a missionary, I'd be a much needed laborer in the harvest field. But if I go as a mobilizer, I can multiply passion for God's mission a hundredfold. The task is too large to do alone. Help mobilize the global church to reach the unreached.
0: Well, I, I want you to stay focused on your campus ministry. And when you graduate, I want you to stay focused on opportunities that challenge might give to you. But... If there's a point in your life or if there's others you may know that what might feel led or called into this This idea of a mobilizer stateside or overseas. We're in about 20 countries and we'd be honored to chat with you Okay, and we've got some some literature back on the left side there. Please take that with you if you'd like, okay Well, let me uh, let me move on. This is a, a tool. Uh, oh boy. Uh, there it is um, this is a tool that I've already mentioned, but as You want to grow in your world Christian perspective your world Christian lifestyle as you want to prepare for your summer mission trips or prepare For life if you want to build world vision into your students These two little booklets can uh, can be of great help. And I think we've sold out of them, but I think Paul has some as well But uh, that's a that's a tool that we use hey pull your uh, great Commission's talk out if you would uh, Is 12 great Commission decisions and I'm going to try to go through these quickly. I've really already touched on On Some of these and so this is kind of a review. This is kind of a wrap-up Okay, and and, in a conference like this you guys have been taking great notes. I'm so proud of you all Uh, I I, I'm I'm totally impressed. Uh, What do you do with that notebook though when you go back? That's what I'm wondering do you? uh, You review it. Okay. 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 Look deep into my eyes. What are you gonna do with that notebook? Uh, but um, if you're like me, you come to something like this and it's like just a fire hydrant trying to drink from a fire hose, you know, just, just blowing you back. And you go, I'm going to apply everything. <laughs> and you end up applying nothing. You know, it's like me. I have 38 new year's resolutions, you know, <laughs> by the first week I have failed on all 38 and I say, okay, I give up, you know, no. But if you said, I'm going to do one, maybe two. You might, in in our time together, you might just be thinking, what are the three or four things that God really impressed me with, And, 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 and rank those, and maybe star that first one, star that second one. Get with a partner and say, what's your one application, or what's your two applications? Because if you try to do it all, it'll be too overwhelming for you. But you can do one or two, maybe a few of you three. But but i I think that your leaders have talked about making specific applications, right? You've been in a Bible study, okay, now let's make our applications, so you go around the circle, and the first one goes, "My application is I just want to be a better christian <laughs> well that's that's very nice, thank you and you it's not like you can criticize that. Well, that's weak, you know? <laughs> you know, how about number two? What would you like to do? I just want to love everybody. <laughs> that's your application, yeah, okay, well. Uh, we got to work on you. Okay. Number three, you know, well, I just want to draw closer to God. Oh well, yeah, that's That's awesome. But friends, how do you, how do you, that, there's no specific path or track or steps to get to this particular hazy, you know, ooey gooey, you know, goal that you just supposedly set up for yourself. So have you heard of spam? Y'all have heard of that, right? When you spam yourself, you know that, you get spam on your computer sometimes you get that there and when you go to the store, if you're really hungry, <laughs> you know you have the can you know you open it and you put it you, you like oh spam okay you're a, you're a spammer for Christ, okay um, Well, spam for us, and I don't know what your little acrostic is. I should have what is it? Smart. Oh yeah, smart this is a this is a this is a, a companion concept to smart I, I like smart better because. Has a positive connotation. Spam, you know who, you know. But here, we let me give you my little spam. May I do that? Yes. Okay. Well, I want it to be specific. Is that's probably the same. Isn't it. It's got to be specific. Okay. It's got to be. It's got to be practical. Something. What. What. You know. Some practical action step. I'm going to do to be obedient to this verse of scripture. It's got to be achievable. I'm going to share the gospel with everybody at Chico State in the month of April. Well, no, I'm afraid that probably is not achievable, you know. And finally, is it measurable? If I come back the next week, how did your application go? I could say, yes, I was able to be obedient to this scripture because, you know. And so you said, well, why? Who, you maybe your Bible study is on love this week. You know, I'm having a hard, well, who are you having a hard time love? Well, my roommate. Okay, what could you do with your roommate? Well, I'll just love him some more. No, 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 give him something specific. Okay, something practical. Well, he I mean, he... He's so dirty, man. He has all the clothes everywhere, and he never washes them. And maybe I could, maybe I could wash his clothes for him. Okay, well, great. Do that. Well, now, now it has to be achievable. You know, I'm not going to wash his clothes for the next 50 years of his life. I mean, okay. So how about Tuesday afternoon? I'll wash his clothes Tuesday and fold them, put them on his bed. Well, what time Tuesday? You know, so it's getting specific. It's getting practical. It's certainly achievable. It's even measurable. Now, you're going to wash his clothes, fold them, put them on his bed Tuesday afternoon three. 30. And then next week at Bible study, you'll be able to come back and your leader say, well, how did you, were you, able to achieve that particular, you know, application <clears throat> and you'll be able to tell them cause it was very measurable. Right. And so basically what you've done is, is you've backed yourself into a corner, you know, <laughs> where you, <laughs> you have no, you have no opportunity or question, but to apply that script, you, you have to be obedient because it's so specific, so practical, so achievable, so measurable. All you can do is you've boxed yourself in to be obedient to the word of God. See, so are you willing to spam yourself? If you are, I want you to go crawl in that corner right now. Uh, No, no, no. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Spammers for Christ, right? I used to kind of do this, but people kind of said, no, don't do that, Steve. Don't do that, Steve. Don't do that, Steve. (laughs) Don't do that, Steve. That That would not be good. Okay. Okay, here we go. Let's get started. We're going to whiz through these, okay? Number one. Is Jesus the Lord of every area of my life? I mean, this is a daily decision, isn't it? And there's that verse that I mentioned. To you Luke six forty-six. You may want to, you may want to cut that verse out like I did and put it on your ceiling there, where you can look at it every morning, every evening. That old A.W. Tozer quote we mentioned, where if Jesus is not Lord of all, what? He's not Lord at all. That's right Maybe the Lord has revealed some area in your life this week Okay, there is Write that down, you know, don't let your neighbor see your paper the next 30 or 40 minutes. Okay, you just keep that private to yourself, okay? Number two what new commitments do I need to make in my relationship with Christ You know my bible is falling apart i i I'm, I'm I may get y'all to read uh in in the combination of being on this stand it's a little dangerous i'm gonna i'm gonna read this one for you but it's philippians three seven and eight my bible is worn out and so am I Philippians 3 7 and 8 but whatever things were gained to me those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ more than that Paul says I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and Count them but rubbish why so that I may gain Christ and so This idea Of gaining Christ, of throwing out everything that keeps me from entangling me from being fully committed to Jesus Christ. Not your feelings, not your emotions, but what are the action steps you want to make? How can you spam yourself in this area? Are there some new commitment you need to make as a result of your time together this week? Number three Have I truly taken personal responsibility for the Great Commission? Remember what I said how you can tell if someone has taken personal responsibility if they have a plan If they have a strategy Do you have a plan? What is your strategy? Please don't have a dating strategy a a a Studying strategy a workout strategy, you know an investment strategy. I mean all these areas, but not have one and the very purpose that God has us on this earth to take his name and his fame to the ends of the earth. Have a strategy, a plan. Let it start right there at Chico. If someone were to say, what is your plan? What is your strategy? Don't just say, well, you have to talk to our staff person. or Here's a brochure for our organization. No, I'm not talking about staff or organizations or, you know, websites. Or, no, I'm talking about you in your heart, in your life, okay, in my life. Number four, what is the vision that God has placed on your heart, on my heart, to use us? Do you have a vision? Remember us talking about that? Go into your prayer closet. You might write down, or there it is, the reference, but 29, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. I know you has anybody memorized this and by the way? Okay, nice and loud. Can you give it to us nice and loud? Maybe. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you. Stand up, nice and loud. Come on. Now, 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 you're gonna. Don't get nervous on us.
1: <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine 11. Nice <laughs> eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future.
0: Excellent. And then 12 and 13, not there yet. Well, 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. And 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. is that a good one? We need to put that on our scripture memory list, don't we? I mean, I'm so encouraged with you all's commitment to the word, really and truly. I'm challenged. I, I was confessing this morning as we were walking to breakfast. You know, I, my scripture memory has really kind of struggled here lately. But you all have renewed my, my, my vigor, my need. Uh, am I truly anchored in the word? Or am I spending too much time kind of watching news channels? You know, am I allowing the world to influence me more than the word? And so thank you for challenging me this week. But what vision has God placed in your heart? Do you have one? I hope so. Get with the Lord. Get with, the, get with a, a person or two, your, your teammates, your spiritual teammates, and really go before the Lord and say, what, what is that vision? God... Can't steer a parked car you got to be moving towards the direction number five what is the dorm or team or group that he wants me to reach that's what we've been talking about with the staff here is just making sure that chico state you think through every affinity group every single club every single social group team you know whatever it is and how can the gospel get the the flag of Jesus Christ be planted in every single one of those, and a little mini revival going on in each of those, and a a leader could be raised up in each of those, Or, or you know of someone there that could come to Christ and grow in Christ, and there could be converts, disciples, multipliers raised up in each of these, and really that's when a revival breaks out on campus, is when the students, not the staff, when the students take personal responsibility for getting the gospel into every one of these affinity groups. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. What is that dorm or team or group that, that you're going to either join or you're already part of, or you have a relationship with someone and that can be the person of peace, kind of the entree into that group. Please start thinking that way and praying that way. Acts one eight is a great one uh, to think about as you proceed. Now, number six, who is the student or students that I'll be seeking to win or disciple? I'd like to take just a a minute here and I'm going to be quiet. And and I'd like for you to write down, you know, two, three, four, five names um, of individuals that you know of that either need to come to Christ or they need to start growing, need to be discipled, and they're in your sphere. You, you know them. You have a relationship. There's no reason to go witness to somebody you don't even know on the other side of campus when you have all these people right here in your own backyard, your own dorm floor that you know you, you've walked right past them a hundred times. Don't, don't, you, you, those are the ones God has for you to reach, okay? So I'm going to be quiet. You get your pen out. Who are those two or three or four names of individual students that are part of some affinity group that you'd like to go back to that campus and really start to initiate with either with the gospel or with some sort of a discipling relationship The Matthew 9 passage is a great one, isn't it? If you haven't memorized that one, this is what's on the heart of Jesus. He's looking out over Jerusalem and he's heartbroken. He's literally heartbroken. And he says these sheep are distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, if, if I could gather you in like, a, like a, a hen does with her chicks somehow to myself, I would. And he says the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so do you want to fulfill what is on Jesus' heart? If you love someone, you, you, you want to know what's important to them. And you want to do everything that you can to fulfill what is on their heart, what their desires are. That's a great marriage right there if you have a husband and wife doing that for one another. And that's our same relationship with Jesus. This is on his heart. If we love him, we too will have that on our heart. Number seven, where will I live next school year and why? Where will I live the next school? Well, Steve, uh, that's already said, I'm sorry. I already put my deposit down on my apartment, you know. Well, maybe you can undeposit your deposit. I don't know. But Philippians 1 talks about Paul being in prison. Okay. And he was witnessing to the the guards, the Praetorian guard that was there. And so, yes, Paul was chained to those guards. But guess what, friends? Those guards were also (laughs) chained to Paul. Have you thought about that? I think he... Delighted in being in prison. No, that's, that's too strong. He, he found great joy in his sufferings for Christ tells us in chapter three of Philippians there that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Hello, fellowship sufferings. Well, that doesn't go together, you know? But God used him with these key guards and these different prisons, town to town. And so, he found a purpose as to why he was wherever he was. Write down Proverbs 18:1. W- wasn't this a verse we used in the guys' uh, section yesterday? Did we talk about this? Well, let's let the ladies in on it. Yeah, we're wondering what the ladies were talking about yesterday. We sent a little spy over to kind of record, and they came back and gave us what y'all were talking about. Very interesting. No, no, no. We, we didn't have any spies. But Proverbs 18.1, here it is. <clears throat> Boy, it's such a short verse, you'd think I wouldn't forget it, right? <laughs> he, who se- he who separates himself seeks his own desire. Remember that, guys? She goes, No, I I want my own apartment. Oh, really? Well, why is that? No, I want my own room. Oh, really? Why is that? Why would you want your own room? Why would you want your own apartment? Well, it's because deep down it could be (laughs) that there's something that we're seeking our own desire rather than God's desire. There's something about the secrecy or the privacy or that we want. Friends. Why do anything by yourself when you could do it with someone else? When I came to Christ, I never again lived alone. Never again from 18 to 28 when I got married. I guess even then I've never lived alone since age 18. I've always had a roommate. And now my wife for 36 years, right? I wanted to have a roommate with me every Step of the way every living situation for two reasons one. I want to influence somebody for Christ I mean, why why sleep in a room alone when you could be influencing during the discretionary time someone right there with you and Secondly, I needed the accountability. I don't want the freedom to be able to lock my door And I'm in there by myself and nobody can get in I can do whatever I want to do, you know, my little lonesome friends If I were you especially in college I would move smack dab in the middle of that campus. You'll never have an opportunity to live as close to college students, the most, you know, amazing pool of manpower and woman power in your entire life. You're going to live in apartments and houses the rest of your life. Why not these few short years learn how to live strategically, right? If you learn how to live strategically now in college to live as close as you can to your ministry target or live among them, right? You might do it the rest of your life be real interesting, all my buddies in their twenties and thirties and forties and fifties and sixties as to tell me where they are living and why they are living there. Okay. I had one buddy come up to me, man, it's so awesome. shit. man, me and my three buddies and from college, we're all Christians. We married Christian girls. we now all have kids. Now we're all homeschooling them and we all, we bought this property at the end of this cul-de-sac and, uh, and we're all building houses on the end of this cul-de-sac It's just going to be like a little heaven on earth. Isn't that awesome? I didn't know what to say, friends. I wanted to say, no, that's not awesome. He calls us to be light and salt. Okay. If I'm reading Paul's philosophy of ministry, Romans 15, 20, it says don't build on another man's foundation. You need to go where Christ has not been named. Don't look for a neighborhood with all your Christian buddies. Look for a neighborhood with no Christians in it. Right? Please start now to live strategically. Would you, why are you living where you're living? And please, don't just make money the determining. Well, it's cheapest. Well, that's powerful. No. Why? Where are you living, where you're living. Let's, let's win Chico State to Christ, can we? If I want to win Austin to Christ, I don't live in Dallas. Okay, if I want to win Sacramento, you know, and I don't live in Reno. I I, I, I live right there in the middle of where I'm going. Okay. Number eight, what will I do with my summer and why? Boy, it's a biggie. I mean, college students, they, they kind of do their life like playing cards. They, they hold their cars right up here against the the vest or the chest or whatever it is, you know, there it is, you know, and they they're they're, they're very slow to play a card. You know, hey uh, Sam, you want to come to my Bible study? A Bible study, man. I'm I'm busy. I I actually study. I go to class. I mean, I don't have time for a Bible study. You going know, you gonna talk about God? I mean, I don't know. I just I don't think I. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll come. And you play a card, you know. Well, hey, we're going to Hume Lake for this conference. You want to come and during spring break? You're asking me to give up my spring break. <laughs> I was going to go snow skiing and ride with the ladies, you know, and and you want me to come here to to, to do what? To hear speakers and do, you know, money it costs money. Oh man, a whole week of my time. I just <laughs> I just can't do it. Whoa. Okay, I'll do it. But the ultimate card of all cards, you know, the the ace of spades <laughs> is your summer. And so you say, hey, Sam, come to uh, come to this uh, summer project with us. It's 10 weeks. It's Sarah. We're going to, you know, live in this town. We're going to, you know, work and witness and we're going to, you know, he's with us. He, he can't even talk. <laughs> Ten weeks. You know, my summers are for suntan. My summers are for surfing. My summers are for the ladies. My summers are for you know. Party, party. And I mean, he just is in total agony. And finally, oh. <laughs> Okay, I'll do it. <clears throat> Why are we so slow to be able to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel? You're summer. Whoop dee doo. It's a summer. Paul spent 17 years discipling Timothy, and we make a big deal about an eight-week summer project. Is that some big sacrifice? Yeah, you know, I'm into summer project. I'm a Green Beret Christian, you know. <laughs> I don't know, friends. Summers. We don't gear down during the summers. We gear up. That is a time of training bringing all your troops together and train them, train them, train them. And then in the fall, we unleash them. We scatter them out all over the campus and it's like a little mini army every fall. Okay. Use your summers wisely, man. They're going to run out. Like do y'all realize when you graduate and get a job, do you realize your, your employers don't give you summers off? Have you thought about that? You don't get a month off for Christmas, you know, no spring break boss. I mean, I thought what happened to spring break? No, you get 10 days out of 365 that you can, you know, do what you want to do. This is your opportunity. Don't waste your summers. Use them to build that foundation that we're talking about deep, deep, deep. That's the best time to do it where you can concentrate, please. This summer, next summer, the following summer, don't waste your summers, please on thing on lesser things. Okay. Number nine. What kind of training? What kind of training will I need to really be successful in winning my world for Christ? This is Paul, as you know, this verse, writing to Timothy, and he said you're supposed to to find faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That word. Entrust entrust these things to faithful men is a banking term. Okay, anybody going into banking here? No, darn. Just going to ask you to join my support team. <laughs> no, no. But this idea of entrusting, Paul says, all of our hearts have a have a have a, a, a dial on them, like a safe. Don't you call it a safe? What would you call it, a dial? The combination lock is that what you'd call is O to be? Yeah. And so as you love and serve and pray for your young disciple, you're, you're, unlocking their, their heart and opening up and you can't, you can't, you can't work with, you know, tons of people, only a few that you can deposit your life into theirs. Okay. I knew a guy that said, I'm discipling 20 men. I said, wow, that's impressive. Jesus only could do 12 and he, one of those guys bombed out, you know, well, if you're pouring your life something very precious and de- making a deposit in their life, there's a limited number of people you can do that with. And Paul says, "Be very picky. I know our culture is saying, be inclusive, include everyone, don't exclude anyone. You know it's terrible if you no Paul said, "Be very picky as to who you pour your life into. whose combination lock do you open up that heart and start to give yourself to, okay? <laughs> They need to be faithful who will be also able to teach others also, but how are you going to get that training yourself? To leave and learn how to do that who can help you? Write a name down there on your sheet. Is there some person is it a student leader? Is it a staff person? Is it the pastor someone? That you can start spending time with starting next week. Maybe that you're gonna take the initiative with Don't go. Well, if someone wants to disciple me, they'll call me No You go to them, you initiate, okay? We call it hanging on their screen door. You heard that illustration? Okay, the the staff people and student leaders here are dreaming of young men and women who will come and hang on their screen screen door to want to get that kind of training. So when they open the door in the morning, you know, to start the day, there you are hanging on their screen door. (laughs) You know, they want to open that door. There you are. Okay, every time they open the door, there you are hanging on their screen door. Eep, you know, eep. Eep. At nighttime, you know, you're still there till eleven o'clock, you know. His wife or you know is saying, Can you please leave, you know? You know, so there okay, fine, that's fine, but you know where I'll be, I'll be on the screen door. That's right. You know? Can I tell you who we ultimately work with? The students that we spend time with and pour into? You know which ones we select? The ones who select themselves. It's the ones who want to be trained. Do you want to be trained? If you're not trained, it's because you don't want to be trained. Knowledge, skills, character, and vision. Did we already talk about that? Yeah, that's the training. What areas, go to them and say, what air, I've got two years left. Okay, I'm going to give you 24 months. I'm, I'm going to do it on your terms, not my terms, okay? What areas of knowledge, what areas of skills, what areas of character, what areas of vision do you think I ought to work on these next two years? Oh, man, are you going to have a great two years? Are you going to build a deep foundation? Please do that, okay? Number 10. Where and from who <laughs> can I get this training? I guess we've been talking about that. Some had we? Hebrews 13 7. I think that was quoted earlier today to, to, to observe and remember the leaders and to imitate their faith and learn from them and honor them. Make them your heroes. I mean, don't idolize them. Don't put them on pedestals. We're all just men and women of, of, of clay. I tell a lot about a person by who their heroes are. Do they talk? Do they study and read and talk about? You know, some you know, pop artist, lady gaga or something. <laughs> or, you know, LeBron, 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 you know. So who's your hero? It tells a lot about a person about who your heroes are. Okay? I study their life. Okay? This week I went up to Razorback Ridge in the Garden of the Gods. They're at Glen area in Colorado Springs. Up to the graveside of Dawson Trotman about once a year I go there and have a little talk with Dawes He's buried there, but you know, I still talk a little weird. I know (laughs) No, I don't really talk to him, but I I I pray I took a key man of mine up there with the two of us We're overlooking the big castle there at Glen area the headquarters of the navigators and I just say oh God every year please Work in my life. What what do you need to change in me? Give me a double portion of the spirit of Dawson Trotman who is committed to winning and discipling and multiplying and reaching the world, you know. And then I have a tradition. The five men who have most influenced my life, I call them. Good cell service up there, you know. And I just tell them how much they've influenced my life and that they're one of the five men that most influenced my life. Two of them are gone now. Who's going to give you this kind of training, friends? Where are you going to get it from? I don't know what Pastor Gary would say, but if you choose to neglect the training opportunities in college and say, well, I'll get it later in life, I don't know. There aren't many churches that I see that are as equipped (laughs) and as focused. And have the opportunity to get really specific with your life to give you the knowledge, skills, character, give you that hands-on, one-on-one, small group training. I know there are churches out there, but they're not necessarily easy to find. Great teaching, great worship, but this individual training, it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare what you're getting right now. Don't, don't, Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted, please. Number 11. Are there other decisions I need to make to strip away every entanglement so that I can follow Christ and win and disciple others? Are there any entanglements? We talked about some of them yesterday, didn't we, guys, in our men's time? We did. This word entanglement is really, uh, it's the word net. Somehow you're, you're caught up in a net. That's kind of the Greek meaning behind it. I know you'd be impressed with that. But as the roman soldiers you know why did the roman empire for hundreds and hundreds of years they were the dominant civilization in the whole world they just took over the then known world every battle they were winning time after time after time well they were trained but they 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 were working smart they'd come up against these giant barbarians and these barbarians yeah they'd have swords but they were these huge you know four and five foot swords these guys are coming at you A little intimidating, I know. And the Romans, all they had was this little short sword, you know. <sharp inhale> you know. You like the sound of that? <sharp inhale> you know. Back. But they'd have a net. They'd have a net here on their belt and their short sword. So while this big giant barbarian is coming at you, you know, with a big big giant sword, right? <laughs> they just wait. They just wait. Because they pull this net out, you know, with the left hand, and they just go like that. And it wraps right around your feet, and poof, pull. The guy's down, immediately down. Short sword, gone. It's over. It's over. (laughs) Didn't mean to be so gory, ladies, sorry. (laughs) But we talked about Satan's goal. His goal is not to distract you. Look over here, look over here. Not to trip you up. Oopsie doopsie. No. It's to what? What was the word used? To devour you. To grind you up into a little pile of dust. Blow you away. Permanently. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10.10. This is Jesus talking. Did he believe in the devil? Did he believe that he was bent on your destruction? I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly is what Jesus says. There's your choices, right? There's your choices. Follow Jesus or be destroyed or be destroyed. Well, maybe it's a relationship. At your stage, I had a relationship with a Christian girl. But um, I could tell that it really was not Christ-honoring. Jesus was not the center of our relationship. It was moving more towards kind of a physical. That scared me. And when we finally broke up, I cried for three hours. I mean, not, not out of sadness, but out of joy. I finally was obedient to God. I, I was free. And my spiritual life just shot straight up when I... Release this entanglement. I Don't know it may not be a relationship. It might be something else that you're holding on to Number 12, how long will I be committed to laboring for Christ Is this just kind of a fun Christian club Hey, man, I, I live in Chico. I found this little Christian group of folks. They have these cool little outings and treats. It's been so fun. But, you know, now I'm graduated. Now I've kind of grown up. And, you know, I need to kind of put my big boy pants on now, you know, and I need to, you know, start to be a real person, not, you know, the little, the little fun little groups and the meetings and the, the conferences we have. Uh, no, that, that was just my, that was for college days alone. Now I'm in a transition into, you know, real life. No, friends, I'm afraid the things that you're learning and gaining now, uh, you have a decision to take those with you the rest of your life. And so chapter 4, was it 4 that I was looking at? Help me with my verse. 5 through 8, there it is. This is Paul, the final letter that he wrote to his young disciple, Timothy, 5 through 8. When he saw it, I'm convinced there were tears on this page because Paul knew this would be the last time he'd ever see him. But you, Timothy, in fact, that's how I named the book. I, I live in 2 Timothy. I live in it. And each time I studied, I give it a different name, a different name, just to try to understand freshness over and over again. I'm reading it now through Paul's eyes, you know. So my last, my most recent study through 2 Timothy, I named it, But As For You. Timothy, all these people may be, you know, b- betraying the faith. They may all be going in, 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 in worldly ways. But as for you, Timothy, but as for you, Timothy, he keeps bringing it back. But as for you, Timothy, you stand against the tide. Here's another example of a but as for you verse in chapter four, his final, but as for you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Isn't that great? In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. He was looking for that eternal reward, wasn't he? Looking to... God for a greater reward, like we were talking yesterday, man. How about it? If we were to meet 10 years from now, 20, 30, 40 years from now, back at Hume Lake, or is it Lake Hume? Hume Lake, Hume Lake okay. <laughs> Get in my mind. How would we, do, how would we be doing? Would we have bought into the world? Would we have been conformed to the world instead of transformed? You can decide now. Really, you can decide now what your life is going to be like in 5 and 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years. Don't you want to be able to look back on your life like Paul did? Like I'm kind of looking back on my life, like Pastor Gary's looking back? Well, Don't you want to be able to look back on your life and not have these big regrets? You can start now. If you'll use this time in college wisely to build that kind of foundation. Let me share a painting, and then I'm going to pray and sit down if that's all right, Paul. Yeah, that's all right, Steve. Sit down, please, quickly. (laughs) My friend painted this. This was um, a contemporary of Alan Stickney in Kenya. Philip Lassie Southern Baptist missionary in Kenya and his our pastor asked him to paint this and it's Revelation 5 9 and Revelation 7 9 in the same picture Anyone ever seen this picture before I Can't give a talk without showing it sorry So here's 5 9 And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. (laughs) Wow. Revelation 5, 9. Jesus is paying. He's purchasing men men and women from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people with his blood. That's the medium of exchange. He's purchasing with his blood. People, children, followers from every single tribe, every tongue, people, nation. And and, and look at that. Look at that face. He hung on that cross for six hours. Why did he hang there six hours? I mean, he could have accomplished it in six seconds if he had chosen to. But there he was for six agonizing hours, the most excruciating death known to man, crucifixion absorbing. Think about that. He was absorbing all the pain, all the sin of all mankind right there in his own body as he was bleeding to death. What was he thinking? That's one of the questions I've got for the Lord when I get there. What was going through your mind during those six hours? We have a few indications because he says seven different statements from the cross, but six hours, his love being poured out for you and I. What was he thinking about during that time? Could it be he was thinking thousands of years ahead of, of that time where he was on that cross to, to, to a place where now he wasn't on a cross, he was on a throne. And now he's not the, the suffering Messiah, the suffering servant on that cross, he's now the, the Lamb of God. And they're now, those purchased ones are all around the throne. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people are represented around the throne. Here it is in 7-9. And behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Friends, if you're a Christian, you're going to be there. You're going to be there around the throne. Isn't that going to be an awesome day? 7,000 different languages all, you know, combining together into a beautiful symphony of praise to the, the Lamb of God. We're going to be back there. Wor- Some people are going to be worshiping, you know, they, they're going to be jumping up and down. I mean, that's their worship style, you know. Others, you know, just bowing, you know, slowly, lowly, you know. We're all going to all be singing, you know, more love, more power, more of you in my life And 7,000 languages. If you're some pale white, you know, Caucasian like me, you're going to be in the minority. Sorry. <laughs> you'll, you'll finally learn what it's like to be in the minority, right? Yeah, that's going to be a, we're going to be, have our brothers and sisters all around us. It's going to be a beautiful day. And if you're a believer, you're going to be there. But my challenge to us is don't be there all by your lonesome. Don't get, you know, through the elevator door and it closes behind you. Woo-hoo, that was close. Well, at least I made it, you know, didn't bring anybody with me, but brought my golf clubs and my pastor said I could play golf in heaven. And so where's my first tee time? You know, <laughs> life on earth was all about me. Certainly life in heaven is all about me. Uh, no, sorry. We don't have your tee time right quite yet. You know, don't come by yourself. What if you were to spend your life, your time, your talent, and your treasure to exchange? Remember that word exchange? We use that in our first talk. What if you were to exchange some or all of your life to make sure that every one of those purchased ones, every one of these purchased ones here at the cross are present and accounted for there around the throne someday? Would that be a good use of your life? A good exchange of your life? Here we are friends. Do you realize that historically and biblically you and I are in between revelation five, nine and seven, nine, isn't it amazing that we would be alive right now at this moment in history, you and I, it really is. You see, revelation five, nine has already taken place. The, the cross has already been, has already taken place. The, the sacrifice has already been made. The blood has been spilt. The people have been purchased. And so what is our role? Our role is to scatter, scatter, scatter. Like he told us all through Genesis, all through the scriptures, the five final commissions, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, There the five final things that he told us. I believe those were five different commissions, five different places that he, that he shared from different angles, this idea of reaching the whole world for Christ in those final days of his, after he was been resurrected. To join God as his fellow gatherers to make sure that every purchased one is going to be around that throne so that the sacrifice that Christ made, that he would truly receive the reward of his suffering. So God's purpose on earth is to redeem a people from every people, to rule a kingdom over all kingdoms. And from Genesis to Revelation, we find that God's unfailing purpose in this world is to populate his eternal kingdom with worshipers from every nation. How many nations? You and I can participate in this. Isn't that amazing? He's doing it, but he wants to do it with us, with you. I don't want to waste my life on the sidelines or in the stands or focused on some other objectives, you know. He's not caring about your location and your vocation. Don't, don't think I'm trying to get you to become a full-time missionary or minister or something. That, that, that's, that's small potatoes. He wants your heart. He wants your vision. He wants your time, talent, and treasure is what he wants. Be used for his honor and his glory. Let's pray together. Thank you for letting me be with you these days. I'm really grateful. Lord, why are we alive in 2019 in between the cross and this future second coming where you will someday be around that throne and we will worship you as the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Whoa. Lord, we have the privilege the incredible opportunity to join you. You're making the offer. Will we accept it or will we not accept it? Will we ignore it or will we embrace you and your purposes? Oh, Lord Jesus, someday around that throne, don't let us come all by our lonesome because we decided to give our life to lesser things. I pray every single person here that we would bring those with us, that we maybe would have a flash mob right there on the right side of that stage. And there'd be millions of it, just from this little group right here, millions of people that have been won to Christ and those that they've won to Christ, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth generation of disciples, and all the people who have given, and all the people who have prayed, and that there could be millions of people around that throne someday just simply because of the faithful lives of the hundred that are here oh God work deeply now in our hearts and in the months and years to come and we do pray in Jesus name amen